Yo, what's going on, y'all? We're back with uh, episode eight. For the record, I'm AJ. As always, I got my my boys with me. This is Chuku, Zig. What are we gonna dive into today? I mean, so keep it one hundred. I saw the best movie I've seen in a while. In a while, in a while. I, thought, and, and, I thought you was about to cross and, the line to everybody. Okay, cross that line. I gotta be while. careful with my words here. Uh, best non comic book related movie there I've you seen go. in a while for sure. Because I've just been watching nothing Marvel all year. You know, mm-hmm. you know what time it is. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, great it was movie. A really, really, a really, good. really good movie. Like it was. I didn't even know what to expect, really, just from the trailers. I mean, you gave me a little backstory, and then once I started, you know, watching some of the trailers and looking for some of the uh, little hidden Easter eggs they had in there, I kind of pieced together the backstory to it. Mm-hmm. But even at, even then, I was just like, I think people were like highly anticipating something with a stronger involvement with the the Manson family. I thought Charles Manson was gonna be like, yeah, a focal point yeah. in the movie at least, but yeah. yeah. And in one scene. I mean, and if we well, spoil I mean, it and you haven't it, seen it yeah. and you're saying that you want to see it, then warning right now, there's going to be some spoilers. Yeah, so. yeah Spoiler sorry. Warning. Sorry. Cut this shit off. You don't want to hear it. But and if you want to go watch a movie, go watch it. Yeah. Don't so. be. What have you been doing yeah. all week? Yeah. I don't fucking hey, know. but uh, overall, <laughs> I'm kind of happy that they didn't put too much on that. Like showing Charles Manson and showing too much of you're Like the, glorifying him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not even glorifying, just not even giving him that, that attention at all. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah. It was showing to me. But Quentin's very good at that, like finding that line where it's just like you have a um, a true true events that actually took place and then kind of dancing around it to kind of like re rewrite it in a way. Has he done that before in another movie? Well, with like Inglorious Bastards. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you take yeah, like an actual yeah. historic thing that actually happened and kind of just like maneuver your way around it and kind of just make the changes that you... See fit as yeah. the director. I kind of want to talk a, about a like, writer. like it's not. I don't even think this is a true event, but like when his movie Death Proof, mm-hmm. yeah, like how everything was happening, like all the bad stuff. Was That's happening, like the ultimate the end, like girl power movie, Death Proof. Yeah, I've never seen it. But at the end, oh, come on, you never seen it? No. Uh, no. All right, then, never mind. No, nah, I can't. I can't yeah, talk about it. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean we're spoiling once time, once upon a time in Hollywood. Like, you might as well right. spoil uh, Bullet, Death Proof. Wait, what? What year did that movie come out? That was like shoot oh, two like yeah mid two thousands probably. Bro. It's good. Yeah, I mean even if he like goes yeah, deep into yeah, a description, the world, bro. It's good. yeah, it's not right. gonna ruin it's anything. Yeah, not, it's not gonna ruin. But at the end, it's just like how the guy was like trying to torture them or chase them down and yeah. kill them, and then at the end they just fucked them yeah, up. Yeah, they beat his ass. <laughs> funny enough, that happens a lot. Funny enough, it was uh the the. I'm not sure if she was the main girl, but there was one of the girls that was a stunt woman in Death Proof, and she was actually the stunt coordinator and married to Kurt Russell in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and Kurt Russell, and Kurt Russell was the guy that was, uh, to was kill chasing the them down at the end. Yeah. So that was a cool little uh, connection that they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know the funny part about it is uh, her name is Zoe Bell, and uh, she was the stunt double of, um, I keep on forgetting. Uma Thurman? Yeah, and um, Kill Bill. Nice. Yeah. I feel like there's a pattern there. I like the consistency. Uh, the consistency. Yeah, because I mean, he definitely works with a lot of the same people. Yeah. As far as the way his movies are made, but I mean, their his movies are honestly like top notch. I mean, I, I'm not surprised you get like a good group and you just gotta keep you know grinding it out, mm-hmm. and making something happen, adding new elements to it. But 
still keeping that you know authenticity yeah and plus i like the fact that quentin brings all the actors back to his movies you know what i mean yeah every actor that was in his movies he bring them back to his new movies yeah i like that yeah so uh that being said what was like a standout moment of once upon a time in hollywood Ooh. For you guys, I think the Besides, first the first know, thought the that's obvious. gonna come to everybody's mind is the last oh, fifteen yeah. sixteen minutes of the movie because that was <laughs> the payoff. That was yeah. the payoff for the the, the, climax, the accumulation sure. of the movie. But um, for me, I liked when Leo had his solo scene when he had his little breakdown in the trailer, mm-hmm. like when he was trying to snap himself back into just like, bro, like, just get your shit together. Like you're not gonna stop drinking or I'm gonna fucking blow your brains out. Like all that that whole scene was just. It was executed very well. It was written very well. And, I mean, no other better person to act it out than Leo. And uh, another scene to me was when Brad Pitt was leaving um, Leo's house for the first time. And he was kind of just racing down uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Just the aesthetic, just everything. Like, the way that they were able to transform the look of Hollywood back to, like, the late 60s. I don't know. It just looked super cool. Mm -hmm. He was driving in an old sports car. I don't remember what kind of car it was. I think it was called a... Ferragia. Was it? Yeah. Or a Caragia. Mm. It's a Volkswagen though. But it's you know it, But it was just a, a dope scene. Too. It was a it was um It was a really good like the camera angles to yeah. watch him drifting in and out of lanes and just to get to the destination that he yeah. wanted to go. Yeah, that was a good scene. Um uh, it's called a Carmen Gia. Carmen Gia. Carmen Gia. Yeah, that shit was rusted up. <laughs> hey, no, he I, was driving that thing though. <laughs> like it was nothing. <laughs> Side note though, I think like all, it was it was kind of it was kind of cool that all the cars in the movie. I don't know, is there something about them? Like I just they just were all very. Uh, it was like a like very. I don't know what the word. Nineteen sixty nine. It was yeah. It was <laughs> no. It was like super old school for sure. But now nah, they just like sounded. They sounded so good too. I mean, yeah. it was, of course, before you know. Yeah, small, small gloves stuff. Yeah. So I mean, every everything just sounded dope as fuck. Yeah, all the cars were just fucking beautiful. Have, all right, way off topic, but when you guys was watching the movie, did y'all feel like y'all was like in, like in the movie? Did y'all feel like like damn, like you get what I'm saying? Or no? Explain. Yeah. Like say when Brad Pitt was driving his car through um, L.A. Do you feel like, damn, I wish I was, like, in that scene driving that car? Or, like, um, uh, I know like you get what I'm saying? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, that it had a it had a way of uh, drawing drawing you in as a viewer. Yeah. It's, yeah, because with a movie like that, you know, compared to, like, this compared to, like, Endgame or something like that, you know exactly what you're expecting. You're expecting a lot out of it. You're expecting, you know huge explosions you yeah. know just off the wall of like cinematics and stuff but with this movie it kind of it kind of just starts it kind of puts you in the driver's seat buckles you in you just takes you like on a slow you know saying acceleration and it takes you right to the top and then you know brings you down like, bring you back it's down kinda, it was definitely an experience yeah like, for sure just because everything is just it's it moves at its own pace and you just it, and it's not too fast and it doesn't like go over your head or anything but it just moves at its own pace and you just kind of just go everywhere with it because you want to make sure you understand what's going to yeah. be on the outcome. And bring it back to what you was talking about, about one of your favorite scenes when he had that breakdown and he looked in the mirror, but in the mirror he was looking straight at the audience. Yeah. yeah. Like, I felt like he was actually talking to me because yeah. I had a 
because <laughs> I was actually drinking at the because mo- at the movie theaters that we ha- that my girl and I went to, we had our drinks and I was drinking a Moscow Mule and he was like looking at me, put the drink down. And I was like, okay. What did he say, Leo? I was like, okay. Don't blow your fucking brains out. I was like, goddamn, don't, don't do want, it. I don't want you to die, sir. <laughs> I was I like, like, damn. You to die. What about yeah. you? You got to see that six out shoot. Um, wait, so that was your favorite scene too? The the mirror, the that was one of them. Uh, but my other scene is like showing the lighthearted side of Brad Pitt character with his dog. Oh yeah, yeah, the dog. Yeah, cool. yeah. Brandy. <laughs> that dog was Brandy. huge. MVP. <laughs> MVP. And um, my second favorite scene is um when uh, Margot Robbie uh character. Or Misha, no, not Misha. Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate. I don't know why I'm thinking about Misha Tate. Sharon Tate. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Sharon Tate. It just showed um, when she was watching her own movie. Yeah, when she was watching her own movie, and plus when she was like dancing when uh, uh, what's his name, um, uh, McQueen or whatever the guy was Steve watching. McQueen. Steve McQueen was talking about um, her, you know, love life and everything. You just see her. How happy she was. Yeah, I, I thought that was cool that they, like, um, when they brought Sharon into the movie, they just focused on, like, you know, the happy person that everybody remembered her to be and the nice and loving, and they didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, they just focused on on, on the better side. Better side, yeah. So, Instead of that was her as the yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad she didn't have that much, uh, was it, dialogue, dialogue in the movie? Yeah. She had to, all her scenes was, like, I don't know. It was just really good. Like, her scenes were pretty, like, straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, there was no underlying, there wasn't, like... The, they no, just like, showed her being happy for yeah. herself and where her career was going. And Yeah, there wasn't that, because, you know, I mean, knowing the story, of course, uh, yeah. you know, Sharon Tate, and I think there's, like, about, let's say, four other people in the house that got murdered by some uh, Charles Manson followers. Yeah. But there wasn't, in this movie, there was no, uh, there was no... There was no element of like suspense when she's like yeah. control of the scene. You're not, you're mm-hmm. not. Oh man, she should be looking over. It wasn't nothing like that because that's that's not even how any of that went down. She just happened to be the victim of you know some gruesome shit. Yeah. So I mean, it's not like her life was just something that you know whirlwinded into that. It was some that caught everybody completely off guard. So yeah. I mean, they depicted her as just you know being exactly what she was, a right. young yeah. actress in her prime. You know, getting money, mm-hmm. enjoying the LA life. And plus, it was she didn't have to say anything. It was just all her facial expressions, her charisma, her body, yeah, her charisma, everything. About everything. It, yeah. it just shows how happy she was overall. Yeah. Body. <laughs> body. So body. Uh, body. <laughs> body. <laughs> nah, but uh, my favorite scene would have to be the whole scene where Brad Pitt's character uh, Cliff he goes to Spawn Ranch to drop a pussy off. Uh, uh, pussycat Yeah Hairy ass armpits Yeah I've seen them Nah but uh, I, I wanna like Honestly that whole scene I wish I could just When it will I mean eventually When it comes out on DVD Cause uh, Like Just to break down That whole Scene Where he, he, he pulls up And he's dropping her off but then you just get this like weird feeling where you get this dark cloud over you. Yeah, because very now, suspenseful. Now he's out of his element. They're definitely not in LA anymore. He's outnumbered. Yeah, he's outnumbered for one for sure. Outnumbered. He's kind of getting the picture of what exactly is going on. It's 
and he's still pressing forward and you know trying to find out what he's trying to find out and it's like and they're resisting yeah they're resisting and it's kind of getting a little tense it's awkward it's just him by himself he's it, it, it was, he looks it was, like he's not going to take no for an answer. Yeah, he's not taking. He's not. He's not backing down. But it's like they're not backing down either. It was a very. That was the most like suspenseful, mm-hmm. tense scene of the whole of the whole movie because it kind of put a lot of elements into play. Like where where you're just where you're thinking, are they are they like foreshadowing that something bad's going to happen to him? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean. Plus, it was a powerful scene. It just shows you how much like carefree or not carefree, uh, fearless. This yeah. guy is. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was, yeah. It was, I think that was, that was my favorite scene because I'm just like, man, what are you doing here? And then, you know, everything happens and it's just, it's like, oh, wow. Breathe a sigh of relief. But, yeah. But no, nah, I definitely, uh, definitely wouldn't be something I'd be doing in the 60s. No cell phone. No, no, <laughs> no, no Wi Fi around this motherfucker. <laughs> just, he just out, he's out there to the neck. Like, I was like, man. But yeah, that was definitely, that was a, that was a tough scene. And then, of course, the, uh, yeah, the last, <laughs> Last fifteen, last fifteen minutes, I seen some, I seen something happen with a dog food can. I never thought I'd see <laughs> my whole life. That but, looked uh, like a heavy ass can. Of dog it food. must have been at least like 30, 40 pounds. <laughs> thirty, forty pounds. Oh, yeah, damn, like four pounds. Yeah, 30, I, I was 30, thinking like 40. fifteen. Either way, that was Tim yeah. Lincecum on the pitching mound, <laughs> throwing one strike to win the World Series. That's what that was right there. Sure. Hey, but oh, moving yeah, back to yeah. what you said. Um, about the Spawn Ranch or whatever mm-hmm. the ranch was, when he knocked that motherfucker <laughs> off his foot, swept the, him, swept bro, him. He grabbed the tools out of the car. Dude was like, "Okay, you gonna change the tire in front of me?" Okay, he's like, "No, you gonna change it?" Yeah. <laughs> what you say? Sucked that motherfucker <laughs> in the face. He walked up, took him all off his feet. They slowed it down. His feet just lifting off the ground, just like. How hard he get hit, you know, and then several more times, just over and over and over. But anyways, Jesus. definitely, I, I'd say, I'd say I, I suggest that, you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, you won't be disappointed. Yeah. That's for sure. Because, I mean. And go into it without any expectations. Don't think that you're going to get something out of it. Because if you don't get that thing that you're expecting, then you're going to walk away thinking it's not as good of a movie as you think it is. So go into it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, it's a film. Yeah, anyways. and just, um, it is what it is. If you watch that one scene, do not slash anybody's tires because that motherfucker will sweep you off your feet. <laughs> That's facts. So, what would you say that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood ranks among um, Quentin Tarantino's nine films where he was the primary director or the only director? Because mm. huh. that's tough. Nine movies, all of them very strong. Third. Third, okay. So what do you have at one and two? Pulp Fiction. At one? At one. Okay. Kill Bill, volume one. Yeah? I think you can count both of them in the same breath, right? Kill Bill, volume one and two? Volume two um, You was... can. I think you can. I think by... Um, I, I didn't like... The story's continuing. Yeah, one, right? but volume two was more like... It wasn't... As how can I say it? Volume just one had, just had more like, oh shoot, what else? You know, then volume two was like, all right, well, now it's kind of slowing down, dragging on. Yeah, I know, I get what you're saying. You get what I'm saying? I think you can be one of those people to count them together if you really wanted to. Well, <laughs> one of those. I, well, you know what? 
All right, two. Just Kill Bill. Okay. Overall, okay. like one and two, then Once Upon a Time. That's strong. My number one's Inglorious Bastards. That's four. <laughs> Shit, that's my strong number one. My favorite movie by Quentin. Uh, my second would be tied with Jackie Brown or Pulp Fiction. That's five. <laughs> Jackie Brown. And uh, I think my three would be Kill Bill Volume 1. So I think upon those nine films, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood falls probably on my five. Number four being Django. Mm. I, honestly, okay. I'd say number one had to be Django. Unchained. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is like two. one of those things where it's like no matter what when somebody's like I put this at number one you just be like oh okay I mean okay. it's just it's just one of the more Inglorious Bastards is pretty good too but uh, as far as the story goes for Django it's Killing just one, Nazis it's just one of those uh, movies that just has the watchability I could just yeah I mean at, at any point I could just throw it on and be like I might fuck around just sit through the whole thing like there's there's nothing in that movie that I I mean there's certain, <laughs> certain things I didn't you know I didn't like but I mean as far as the period piece goes, and as far as yeah, you know, satisfaction you get from the ending and you know the character that Jane Fox portrays, I really like that movie. Yeah, that's that's a good movie. It's super. I count super six dope. shots. I count two, two guns. guns. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, guns. number two, I'd say is I'll go ahead and say Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Put it at number two. Number three, we could fuck around and do a uh, shit. I'll say Kill Bill. Well, you won? Kill Bill. Or just the entirety <laughs> of the... Kill Bill, the, uh, Kill Bill, the whole story. Yeah. 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 That's strong. I mean, but I mean, he has plenty of movies that are just, that are great, you know, good watches, but yeah, those are my top three for sure. Yeah. I like, um, I think Inglourious Bastards because not only the story, but because of like the individual performances that are um, performed like in the movie, like uh, Christoph. Uh, what's his name? Christoph Waltz. Yeah, he was fucking like amazing in yeah. the Glorious Bastards. He made everybody in the audience and crowd just fucking just really grind their yeah. teeth like this he's motherfucker. Good. He's good yeah, at what he's doing. Yeah, he's, he's not doing what we want him to do. Um, Brad Pitt and company with the Inglorious Bastards themselves as a group was just they were vicious. I love Brad Pitt's character. He's like represented like. Um, an American. Like, yeah, exactly. Especially when they pull war up. War Lamy. When they pull up uh, to the to the film screening at the end, and it's like, uh, yeah, these, these two are Italian. He's just like, Arrivederci. <laughs> Arrivederci. <laughs> it's just like, what? Yeah. My character in that movie was Eli Roth. The Bear Jew. Yeah. Bro, when he that came, was, that when was when he came out with that bat, I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. And then he started talking, I was like, huh? That boy looked like a Jew just walking out like, yeah, oh, he was like fuck. when he was uh, given that um, the German soldier an opportunity to like point it out for the one last time, and he refused to. And he was like, "Oh, that's fine." Watching the bear Jew bashing German brains is the closest thing we ever get to going to the movies. I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> that was like a powerful like. That was a good movie. I mean, it scene. Had, it and he made a Boston Red Sox reference. He was like, "Yeah, knocks it out of the fucking park." Yeah. That that was, was, it was a good movie for sure. And the uh, next dude that came up, he was like pointing out on the map. He was like, without no hesitation, he <laughs> just they right here. Y'all gonna, y'all gonna do that to my head? Nah, hey, uh, it's right here. Pretty sure they killed him anyways too. No, they didn't. No, they scarred him and sent him back. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they like, uh, oh, yeah, carved yeah, the, the, yeah, carved the, then swastika, swastika, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that boy was hot, <laughs> that shit, that shit is still funny as fuck to me, just slapping the table, his hair moving all the way, he's like, no, no, like, man, <laughs> knock it off, <laughs> so how do you guys feel about the, uh, scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with, uh, Bruce Lee? Did you think it was a, a accurate depiction of um, the, I don't of the man we think? It, it obviously wasn't an accurate depiction, but at the end of the day, I don't think that it was meant to be. I think it was more to emphasize the character and the mentality that Brad Pitt had as Cliff. Hmm. And what I was saying to Zig is, I feel like in the movie they should have made Bruce's character be an actor within. The movie itself like in the movie once upon a time he should have been an actor playing bruce lee rather than them portraying him as the actual bruce lee Does that makes sense or have him playing uh kato and yeah with, uh, say that one more Green time Hornet. like okay so in the movie once upon a time his character is bruce lee yeah but what i'm saying is they could have put within the movie once upon a time in hollywood they could have had him be an actor playing bruce lee why would they do that? Because Bruce Lee was alive there. So time. nobody would get offended by the portrayal of Bruce Lee himself. Yeah, I don't think including make, his daughter that had a problem with it. Yeah, I don't think it would make sense, though, for the movie. Because Bruce Lee was definitely alive and well around the time that these things were going on. So, I mean, maybe if it would have been like a stunt character. But he didn't. He did his own stunts. Uh, yeah. There's really no other way. I think they could have done the... Okay, so in that you case, know, I think that they could have done the portrayal a little bit more... They, yeah, they, they could have did it more justice. Yeah, brush should have been so. Uh, he was a little extra, but a little too animated with the, the with the mouth, yeah. with the talking, with yeah. the whole the <laughs> with whole the shit. Mouth, with the mouth, the t- you with the face over there. I don't like it. Get <laughs> yeah, out of the here. whole shit. It was kind of just. But if I mean, I kill you, <laughs> if he kills one, that's manslaughter. <laughs> I'm like, what? The? I don't Anyone know. It was just, it was a very short burst, so <laughs> I was able to look past it and kind of just think whatever of it. But, I mean, if the question was presented like it is being right now, then, eh, I wasn't too psyched about it, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just being a fan of Bruce Lee and seeing, and, and the way he portrays himself in, the in you know, his own movies, he's never even been close to being that kind of guy. So, I mean, to, to I don't know, it, it just, and it just wasn't a very believable fight scene, if I mean. If I'm being honest. Yeah. You know, no, that one. Yeah, I mean, but that, no, that no. boy was kicking around heavy bags like 300 pounds. He's side kicking them things. The fucking heavy. No stuntman in the industry would have been able to compete. I, I think a kick to the stomach would have ruptured anybody's kidneys. But you guys got to realize anybody's. this. Um, that scene just trying to show you like Cliff is a badass. You get what I'm saying? Well, no. Yeah, and like yeah. it is fictional. It's not that scene never like that incident never happened i think the oh, yeah, only course, thing that yeah. was accurate with the bruce lee character was when they showed him lightly um training tate yeah because that actually happened yeah for um what was that movie that that she was watching herself in what was it called i forgot but it was like some spy movie it was wrecking, yeah. wrecking, wrecking crew, crew. Wrecking. Yeah. Oh, okay yeah yeah so he actually trained her uh how to kick do a head kick yeah a little bit mm. but but yeah, that scene only just trying to show how Cliff is a badass, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, but in the movie, you're going to love Cliff either way. But it was just, yeah. I mean, 
you know, when when they pit like uh, your your two, you know, one one of your favorites against like another favorite in a movie, it's just like it's it's never ending. Yeah. Was just oh, like, uh, oh, just like how uh, Bruce Lee and uh, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is not my favorite. Well, I'm just saying, people but yeah, like I, I, you know I that exactly scene. What you're talking about, yeah. yeah, yeah. But and at the end of the day, like they both respect each other, and it was just a film, and they, you know, you know, spoke highly of one another. So, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, but win? yeah, in the movie, in the movie, Bruce. definitely you want Bruce to win. But I mean. Yeah, Bruce. All right. Yeah. Don't look at me stupid like I'm that. Like, like you're uh, thinking that Chuck Norris should actually win. <laughs> Come on now. Hey, y'all seen Walker, Texas Ranger? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Walker. All right. So, I mean, since we're talking about uh, who would win and such and such, y'all seen that uh, Pacquiao fight? I did. I watched yeah. it. Pretty one, right? Yeah. Maybe Keith, uh, Keith Thurman? Via split decision. Obviously, should have been unanimous, but a win's a win. Overall... It should have been unanimous. Yeah, it was, Pacquiao it, put in that word. It's too obvious. Yeah. But Thurman did have some good shots. Yeah, he though. had some good moments. Well, but I would he, assume so. He's, you said he was ten years younger than him, right? Yeah, thirty yeah. years old compared to a forty-year-old. Pacquiao's yeah. forty-year-old still getting it out here. That's yeah. crazy. I'm glad Thurman lost. He was just talking way too much shit. Like I was saying, like that was just 20. false confidence. He was just yeah. trying to convince himself of something that was obviously a reach. What kind of stuff was he saying? Um. So. Pacquiao got super religious, like yeah. at a at a certain point in his career, and then he was just saying like, oh, "I'm gonna crucify him." Like, he was just saying a whole bunch of like biblical shit and just a lot of like religious stuff. And it was kind of just like, bro, like you just sound kind of like silly. Like you sound corny. You sound like I said, like you just like sound like you're asshole. trying to like force yourself into believing what you're trying to make us believe. Like, you're trying too hard to convince us that you feel like you actually have a possibility of winning when everything that's coming out of your mouth is saying the opposite. You know what I'm saying? So just from that point, like, and Pacquiao is always, like, the quietest guy. He's always just like, uh, you know, my opponents are going to talk, but I'm going to do there, and God gave me this gift, so I'm going to do everything that I can to win and give the fans a a good fight. And, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, he's hoping that he's going to win. But when he sees people talking like that, I'm pretty sure he sees, like, they're, they're not ready for this. They just don't know what's coming. That's why he just smiles. <laughs> and I, I don't understand why people always go in there and they're just like, oh, I don't think his, his hand speed is going to be um, what everybody says it is. And every time after every fight, they're just like, he was just too fast. <laughs> and I'm just like, but everybody, the 70 fights before you, everybody said this. Yeah, I mean, I... It's probably just it just goes with the game though. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, they, they want to. You kind of want to go in there and. But really, do I you mean, think the, the trash talking is a little out of place? But downplaying your opponent may kind of try to build yourself up a little bit. Yeah, create some. Because I think if you just like, if I'm Thurman and they're just like, how do you feel about the fight? Um, I'm in shape. I feel great. Um, he's four years old. I'm ten years younger. I'm gonna try to use my uh, my advantage there. Yeah. And I'm gonna go in there and I'm. You know, I'm going to give him this work and then just leave it at that. Very subtle, very straight to the point. I think people's mentality of like, oh, damn, he 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 thinks that he can win. Yeah. But when you're just saying all this extra shit, you're kind of just like, all right, this dude's a clown. But I say it's high and creates buzz. You know, it does. And, yeah. And once it, I mean, you look at Conor McGregor, look at, look at. But there's just, just like look at Floyd. Conor and Floyd. They're the best of the best when it comes to just getting under people's skin and just mentally Beating them before they even step inside the octagon or the ring. You know what's really funny too? They're just better at it than. The crazy part is, 
even with all that, all that being said, they say the most like outlandish shit, and mm-hmm. it makes people want to tune in and see them get beat up because now they're like, "Fuck, yeah, you know what? Yeah, this guy, yeah, blah blah blah." And then as soon as you tune in, as soon as you buy that pay per view, and then he whoops him, and now you mad, you lost your money, and yeah. you just got paid. Like it's exactly what he wanted. He wants you to hate him so you can tune in mm-hmm. and see him get the, the be presented with the opportunity where he might lose because not everybody wants to see him win. Right. That's true. So. But you know the difference bef- uh, between uh, Floyd and uh, Connor? Um, after, well, when. The sport when, that they fight in? Yeah, the sport. Yeah. The sport that. <laughs> besides <laughs> yeah, that. Besides, besides that. Uh, that the but after a, after a win and lose, Connor always shows respect to his opponents. He you tries. Or he. Don't, yeah, he, he, be, might, he, might, he might whisper it like what, <laughs> while, he, while he's getting. getting like. But, a, but you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, Floyd does the same thing. But you know, at the end of the day, like I whoop your ass type of shit. You know, I mean, Connor, Connor, Connor tries, does, but I mean, yeah, but you, you know, gotta, I mean, I, I'll say I'll say Floyd's better at it because he doesn't backtrack on what he says, and he hasn't really said anything to really like you know, just just really disrespect the fuck out of somebody. Yeah. Connor says some things about Khabib, like his wife and his religion and stuff. Yeah, which which made Khabib say, you know, even though you might respect me after this fight, look, I. I don't like you at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no. Like, I'm I understand sure if he that. just talked trash about him, he was just like, hey. But just like Floyd and Connor, they find little things. To just, just poke you. Poke at it. Poke at it. Or just like, they even look up information on what you do. Yeah, that's that. That's like, shit like that. That's and crazy. That's a different, that's a different way of shit talking. Skullduggery. But one thing about, back to the Pacquiao and Thurman fight, um, I'm just happy that I saw Thurman got dropped in the first round. Yeah, he got caught. He got dropped. Calling Pacquiao old I think, man. I think and he all was surprised too. He was definitely surprised. And he that was, was saying, his first time getting dropped uh, in his whole career. I think it was his second in his whole career. Second? Oh, wow. First time in I, I a while. Was, uh, I thought I said it first, but. Oh. Either way, okay. it was new. Yeah, yeah this, new for him. Probably, I guess. He just probably sat down. He was like, um, "What is? Where?" No, yeah, was he, smiling. He, he was like, <laughs> "He was surprised." No, bro, you just got dropped. <laughs> yeah, he's trying. He's like, he's like, <laughs> try to shake it off. Like, slip, slip. All right. And uh, I think in the tenth round is when uh, Pacquiao moved in on him and hit him with a body shot, and Thurman had to remove his mouthpiece with his own glove just so he could breathe. Yeah, mm. he said that after the fight. He was like, "No, he caught me with a body shot. I had to remove my mouthpiece just so I can get a gasp of air." Because he also was blooding up his nose, so his nose was all clogged up with a bunch of blood. He had so, three out of his mouth. yeah, crazy. Pacquiao did his name. Yeah. What, what, what was it that you were saying about <laughs> Pacquiao? Uh, <laughs> you were saying, what was it? Uh, tell, tell me about his record again. You said something about eight, eight division titles. The fact that I think um, winning eight division uh, championships in eight different weight classes is more impressive than going undefeated. So you're mm. saying you're saying Pacquiao has gone through eight different weight classes and won a championship. He actually technically went through probably ten or more. He he came in as a flyweight at 16 years old. And what's flyweight for uh, those who don't know what a flyweight is? It's probably one of the lightest, the lowest classes in in boxing that you can what, go like through. Like 120 or no? I think he came in. He was 16 years old. He weighed less than 100 pounds. Ooh, oh wow. shit, no. <laughs> and was Welters like one? Oh, so flyweight is like one hundred eight, one forty-five. Yeah, flyweight's one hundred eight to one twelve. Okay, yeah. So he came in as a pro, sixteen years old. He went up to flyweight, won the linear championship, and went all the way as far as welterweight. He skipped a few classes in between, 
but he got up to welterweight and he won a division championship in eight different of those weight classes. Mm. Only one to d- ever do so. Yeah. Only only one. It's ever? Only one ever to do so. Wow. What's, what's his uh, boxing record? 61, 61 wins. Okay. Five losses, two draws. And so you, you correct? That's, no. Oh, uh, I have no. Idea. Oh, I thought you had it up. Uh, pull it up real quick. I got you. But fifty and out, man. That's what I'm saying, though. You can you can go down a long list of boxers that have undefeated record, but you're not going to go down any list uh, seeing the eight division world championships. You're right. But fifty and out. <laughs> so yeah, that's, his that's record like, is. 62 wins, seven losses, yeah. Oh, shit. Two draws. It's not bad. <clears throat> but granted, obviously he didn't lose to Bradley. Obviously he didn't yeah, lose to Jeff fights. Horn. Yeah. There was two very, very... No, 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 not even questionable. No, it was Bradley, blatant. He won. It was I, blatant. I, I heard about that one. The one in Jeff Horn, too, the one in uh, Australia. It was <laughs> his home crowd. <laughs> the one that just happened like, a, like maybe a year ago? That was like maybe like, maybe like two years ago, three years <laughs> okay. ago. But no, they were both blatant. They were both obvious. They're both like, I mean, if you look up anything on them, you're going to find... Those were fights that the judges misscored and he probably should have won. He definitely, yeah, he yeah. should have won both for sure. Okay. And then he would probably have a perfect record. No. Or, or well, not, he not wouldn't have a perfect record because he, he got knocked he out by uh, one, one Manuel Marquez. Oh. Uh, um, but, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was crazy though because uh, I was actually just recently watching an interview with Pacquiao. And he wasn't basically saying that he was happy that he got knocked out, but he said that the night before the fight, he had a dream that he got he got knocked out. And then basically he was just saying like he felt some sort of like purpose by losing that fight because I forget what like he was saying it like in a he was saying it a certain way that made me kind of think twice about it. Like he was basically just saying that he felt like he was unbeatable and that kind of just brought him back to thinking that like yeah like i still have to work just as hard as i ever did to be where i'm at not thinking like you're just gonna go into a fight and walk all over somebody i'm not like quoting him word for word but that's basically along the lines of what he was saying and like i mean that's a good way to think though yeah because in my mind it's just like the best way to be a champion is to experience losses think about this like the patriots for for uh super bowl 51 they did an unbelievable comeback, came back, won the game. Super Bowl 52, they lost. And it's like any loss in, in uh, on a stage like that is tough, right? So to come back and overcome adversity, the perseverance, the hard work that you have to put in knowing that, you know, you have those eyes on you like, oh, these people lost. They're, they're not going to they're not gonna win again. Or check this out. And they come back the very next year and they, they win. Or check this out. When they went undefeated, we ran Randy Moss on them. We ran Randy Moss on a team. Yep. 17. Was seventeen? No, sixteen and zero. They went eighteen, right? Because they no, they this, obviously won the sixteen regular season yeah. games, and then the they, yeah, so the AFC, AFC or the divisional made, round, and then AFC championship. So they won eighteen straight games. Eighteen straight games. Then they lost to Eli Manning on on the helmet catch th- to David. Tyree. I don't think that was was that the David Tyree year or yeah. was that the Manningham year? Manningham was um, like four to five years, maybe four to five years. After the two thousand eleven, yeah, yeah, but no. So when he got knocked out by Marquez, yeah, it was devastating. 
but that's the thing. That's exactly what it is. It's kind of just like, all right, his, his career is done. He's 36 years old, 37 years old. He's gotten knocked out, probably the worst losses of his career. But then he came back and just won like three belts, won three different titles. You know what I'm saying? So that's just that's just a different level of respect that you know we have for our fighting pride. Yeah, and um, actually, just <laughs> talking about um, taking the loss. Um, I'm moving on to another sport, uh, UFC. Uh, mm. Max Holloway. He fought on my birthday. Um, he actually he won the fight, but he was even saying, Frankie Edgar. Yeah, he he. Straight up dominated. He, yeah, he yeah he dominated. The same thing. He had he, his moments. Like he had moments. He went. He went. I want. Don't take my word on it, but he went. What like eleven or twelve? What like fights? Like one. Like he went on a winning streak. Maybe uh-huh. ten or eleven. Like fights. Max Holloway. Max Holloway. Oh, sorry. Max Holloway won eleven fights after he lost to Dustin Poirier the yeah. first time. And oh yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Have they fought a second time? Second time, Poirier Max Holloway went up a weight class. He went to one fifty five and uh-huh. he lost yeah. again. He lost him. Yeah, damn. He lost, yeah. but decision split. Was it split decision? It was. It was. It was, it was pretty clear. Wherever. Were we watching that at my spot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that but, was the one where Poirier would just you know just drop the bomb. Was that the him. same night as uh, Adesanya when he fought um, Kelvin? Actually, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. But just back to that, um, that was a good fucking fight. Dustin Poirier and Max Holloway. But yes, uh, Dustin had the had the weight advantage. So yes, he had heavier strike. But Max was throwing way more combinations, way more like speed punches where Dustin was getting caught. But yeah, it showed that more Dustin, significant strikes for Dustin for sure. Yeah, because heavier fighter. So the blow's gonna be heavier and the face like Max Holloway face was beat up. But after the fight, Max Holloway's son was crying. Yeah, but I, remember, I seen that. Max was like, yo, it, it's a true as a true champion, you have to learn how to be like you have to learn how to take a defeat and a true champion will come back and you know Yeah, be on top again. Be on top again. And that's what he did with Frankie Edgar. Yeah. See, I mean, yeah, that's that's the beauty of it, because uh I mean when you lose and you come back from anything, I mean, it just... It just makes it that much sweeter. It just teaches mm-hmm. you something, too. Yeah. We've talked about this before, like maybe like off there, but... Yeah, it just teaches you something, and then you just... You know what to work on. You know how to work a little more harder. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's a good quality to have, and that's, and that's what, you know, draws people to, you know, certain sports and to, you know, different teams and things like that. It just gives you uh, some inspiration because everything's not, you know, no, no one just goes perfect all the time like yeah. it happens it's rare but it's never perfect all the time but not I mean, as rare as winning eight but yeah i mean we're not gonna talk about yeah, that but i mean it's, i mean it happens but it's it's rare and <laughs> <Damn no. laughs> <laughs> what def- definitely overcoming overcoming a a defeat is a is an admirable am, admirable quality yeah i'd say yeah i'd have to agree with that for sure but um i mean with all that said i know we've all had long days and definitely look forward to being back for uh, episode nine. But as far as episode eight, about to wrap it up. And as always, I'm AJ. Zig. Chuku. And uh, thanks for listening. It's been for the record. We out.